Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 17 of In Transition, the podcast that explores the practice of content marketing in government. My name's David Pembroke, and I'm delighted that you've decided to join me today. Content marketing is a strategic business process that involves the creation, curation, and distribution of useful, relevant, and consistent content designed to meet the needs of a specific audience in order to achieve a desired citizen or stakeholder action. So to today's guest, I will declare an interest and I will tell you a story before we get going. It was probably about three, three and a half years ago. We were trying out our methodology around content marketing and we had a very important client who we were, we pitched the idea to, they were keen for us to do it. And about seven-eighths of the way through the process, we realized that we had some serious problems. And I had to go to the client and say, look, we are in trouble. We can't work it out at this stage, but we need another week to find a solution for you so as that we can get the right problem, so uh, get the right answer. So what, what we did was to then, or I did very late one night, was to jump online and to try to find somebody who had the answers for me, who could really help me develop our methodology so as it was able to deliver the ultimate outcome. And I came across this very, very smart bloke called Brody Doylan, and he joins me on the line. Brody, how are you, mate? <laughs> uh, great intro, David. Uh, it is a pleasure to be here, sir. Do you remember that panic phone call? <laughs> I remember it very well, actually. And, um, you know, I, I, on my side, it was like, okay, this crazy guy from Australia, uh, it sounds like he's got himself in a little bit of a pickle. And, uh, you know, and I you know, certainly the, the subject matter was right up my alley. So, I, I, you know, I, I, all I could do was, was try to you know, provide as much guidance as I can. And, uh, you know, it's it, at least from you know, after uh, the, the outcomes of the project, I, I think uh, it worked out OK. It certainly didn't. I spoke to them the other day and they're delighted with the process. They're des- delighted with the outcomes and they're continuing to content market, market effectively and really engage the community that they're looking after. But I suppose. What what that takes me back to is really the understanding about content marketing that it really is a strategic business process. It's about thinking through all of the various elements as opposed to just doing something. Absolutely, and you know I've listened to several of your your past shows, and uh, you know even going back to the the, the very first show, uh, you know with uh, the the London government and all the communications folks that you've interviewed, and and the the Oasis pro- uh, process, you know th- that I, I really appreciate you know that that thought process in general, and and knowing that there there has to be so much thought and strategy put into. Uh, you know everything that a communications team and an organization in general is, is going to be doing to to engage their their audiences, and uh, and you you really have to put a lot of thought into it. So in terms of that, how do you, when you're engaging with people, discourage people from the doing to get them back to the thinking? <laughs> Well, you know, sometimes it's uh, it's an uncomfortable conversation. Um, you know, uh, oftentimes I remember back to my agency days when you know people would walk in the front door and, and you know they just want a website or or they just want a a, a new Facebook page or, or you know something very tactical in nature, 
And, you know, you just have to look right back at square at the face and, and ask them, well, why? Why do you want that? Why do you feel like you need that? Why, you know, why do you need a new website? What's not working? What's broken? And, um, and oftentimes it was, well, you know, uh, we're not, you know, um, having the effectiveness in our communications or, or your revenues are down or, you know, whatever the, the pain point was, or, you know, certainly there, there's uh, many levels of pain as you, you know, walk through an organization. Um, but, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you, you have to, to have that hard conversation with them and, and really uh, help them understand that it's, it's not all about them. It, it really is uh, changing the focus, and certainly with all the the, the digital aspects of and the way the you know, marketing in general as a practice has evolved with, with the digital side. Uh, so much of it is is controlled by the consumer and by the audience, and and with them being in control, we need to step out of our very selfish. Uh, objectives and, and realize that it's it's really what they care about, not necessarily the the uh, you know uh, our um, uh, you know s- selfish objectives that that we just want to to pound down their throats. How well understood do you think that is that it has changed so much that we've really gone from a world of of deference to a world of reference, and that people are now in control of the information that they receive, the education they receive, the entertainment they receive on the device uh, and in the form of their choosing? You know, that's that's a tough question because I, I think, you know, you've got certainly folks within organizations that get it, but, um, you know, oftentimes you'll find folks at the higher levels uh, that that still have a, um, a a pretty solid agenda that is is more self-serving. Um, and, uh, and, but then at the end of the day, our, our revenue is declining because you're, you're not uh, engaging the customer the right way. And, and so, you know, th- that starts to change some perceptions and, and, uh, and there's some realization that might need to happen or, some, you know, a come to Jesus <laughs> that needs to happen in order for, for, you know, everybody to get on the same page and, and really understand what, what the landscape looks like today. Um, you know, I, I'd say also there's there's a big variation in the sophistication level, uh, you know, between uh, different industries, government probably being one of them. You know, I, I certainly very much appreciate the role that you're playing in this government niche or niche. Uh, and, uh, and um, you know, I would say, you know, government, like like some other industries that are, are a little bit more behind the curve, um, you really need more help. And whereas, uh, you know, the, the world that I'm living in now, like the tech world, it's so focused and, and the, the sophistication level is so high. We have all kinds of tools and, and, and we're constantly trying to gain more audience insight to put out really good stuff that is as valuable as we can be. And, and we try to be, um, you know, um, completely unselfish and just throwing out all kinds of value uh, just to to make sure we, we're building good relationships and building trust. But it's interesting, though, I, in my view around government communication and content marketing in government is that content, it's really made for government communications because, you know, the citizens and stakeholders need to know uh, and want to know what government's got to say and government now has the opportunity to go direct to create yep. the various assets um, that people can consume in order for them to strengthen their community or improve their well-being or make some progress on whatever issue it is that they're interested in. Yep. Well, and you know, it, I'm sure you remember back to the 
you know, when, when we started working together on that specific client project, um, the, the kind of audience persona exercises that, that you, uh, that, you know, I walked you through, introduced to you, and, and then you basically took that group through it. And, and I think it, it, it becomes obvious when you take a group through that process and just the questions you ask, the, the way that you start to position the strategy when you take an audience first mentality, that the, the gears start to turn pretty quickly. And, and when you have a very clear understanding of who the audience is and what they really care about, then it really starts laying the foundation of what you need to go execute going forward. And I'm sure you remember that well. I do remember it well. And as I say, I think it's delivered an enormous value to that client and many clients after that as well. So you have been a, a teacher, really, of content marketing, and you are one of the world's foremost authorities in content marketing. What are some of the key things that people need to understand to get themselves started along the process of effective content marketing? Well, so uh, not to not to beat um, a dead horse in terms of audience and, and persona development, but I, I really feel like that's the one of the key first steps. Um, when when you really understand exactly what they need, what they care about, and and how your offering relates to that and can solve problems, um, you know, um, uh, be the excedrin for their pain. Uh, and and uh, you know then that really starts laying that foundation. And but from there, um, understanding even um, you know their their uh, demographic, uh, psychographic, um, their media consumption habits, their social consumption habits, their search habits, you know all of the the different ways in which they might go about researching. Uh, uh, for a product or service or, or wanting to go, you, where's the most likely places they're going to go to look for information on uh, you know, the, either the product or service or, or offering that you have? And, and when you start to understand where those pockets of activity would be, then uh, arranging your strategy based on those different channels and making sure that you're at the right place at the right time with the right message then that's when really you know rubber starts to hit the road, and and I, I feel like you know certainly from a business's perspective, uh, you know if you're selling a product or a service, when you understand the journey that that um, audience or, or persona or buyer is going to go through, and and some of the integral or you know very key points in that journey that um, that, that might be. Um, a, a fork in the road. You know, they they they're going to go down a path. They're going to make a decision eventually. And there's a journey, and all of the things that they might do to get down that path. If you can influence with content that journey and help them step, uh, you know, it, take the next step each time, um, then things really start to happen for you, and you're so much more likely to actually, at the end of that road, have built a a level of trust. And and, um, and 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 educating them along the way that there's no reason why they wouldn't do business with you or wouldn't work with you in whatever capacity. What do you find is the most effective way to get those insights? Um, you know, a lot of it is is just talking with people. Um, you know, uh, talking with the the end customer, the end audience. Uh, survey tools uh, would be a, a good start. Um, you know, uh, both a um, you know from kind of 
marketing 101, both qualitative and quantitative analysis. So on, on the quantitative side of things, uh, putting out surveys, uh, you know, using SurveyMonkey or something like that, putting a good survey together to understand, um, you know, the types of things that, that what their process looks like if they're going to be uh, doing research or, or making a purchase decision, those types of things uh, on on your offering or, or something related to your offering. And then um, on the, the qualitative side of things, whether it's, you know, um, uh, good old focus groups or just, um, you know, even activating your um, sales team, customer support team, you know, um, uh, any any audience advocates. If you've got folks within the organization that are regularly talking with 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 your end uh, audience, um, it, putting a script in their hands that that says, okay, you know, yes, we just talked about this. Maybe it was an issue that that this person had, but you know, do you have a, a few minutes just to you know, for me to ask you a few questions and just take some notes on their experience and kind of curate all of those responses into a more qualitative type of, of analysis and review. Um, I think those insights that you glean are, and another thing I'd, I'd mention, um, you can't you can't just assume based on your personal experiences in your world. Uh, you know, oftentimes we would come into uh, a, a client situation, you know, whether it be a, a government organization or a you know a manufacturing client or whatever, and, and we would sit down and ask them about what their uh, what their audience needs are, what they feel their audience really cares about, and you know, it's one thing to to get the responses from. The, the client themselves and their perception of what the audience needs are, but it's a completely different thing when we actually are sitting down and getting all of those those needs validated by the customers themselves. And oftentimes you find that that the client was actually wrong. And so again, kind of going back to um, qualitative and quantitative research that really validates the needs and, and perspectives of your audience, uh, and then that lays the foundation of everything going forward. Okay, so we've got the insights. We're happy that we've got a really clear sense and a narrow sense and we've built a, a persona uh, that, that rolls all of those elements together. What, what happens next? So I guess, it, it, you know, kind of going back to the Oasis analogy, um, you know, I, I don't know if, if you would necessarily, if the A comes before the O, if yeah. you will, uh, you know, but, but sometimes it does because sometimes the, the audience research helps to frame your objectives. Uh, but, but I would say the objectives piece is, is the next. And I think there's a balance between your organizational objectives, you know, the things that you guys have coming up in your organization, um, you know, things, things that you need, stories that you need to tell. And um, but then uh, making sure that you can um, can bounce that off of what the audience will actually care about. I think that's that's the interesting part and where this then the strategy comes in, because you might have some very specific objectives and, and an agenda or, or a set of narratives that you're trying to to portray. But if the audience doesn't give a rip about any of those okay, you know, how much time and resources do you put towards uh, really pushing those things out that the audience won't care about? Or do you need to make sure you go find the audience that will care about those things and have a very niche strategy for uh, just, you know, just that piece? So uh, I think there's, it, it maybe kind of works hand in hand, but your objectives are, are certainly crucial. And um, with, with your audiences defined, with your objectives nailed down, then it leads into that strategy piece where um, I think a lot of it then starts to boil down to the specific 
things that are are going to be done. You know, the, the specific uh, channels that you're going to to start um, supporting. You know, uh, what what would be the best delivery mechanisms uh, for the the content you're going to put out, or, or whatever form it takes. But then the form. You know, is is it need? You know, what what type of content does it need to be, or does does it not need necessarily need to be content? Maybe it needs to be things like events. Um, you know, there's all kinds of different forms of communication, but certainly on the content marketing side, we want to think specifically about: does this need to be blog content? Does this need to be news releases? Does it need to be social? Does it need to be video? Does it need to be slide share presentations? You know, what is the ideal format that would would be most um, most conducive and, and and would resonate the most with the audiences, and you know certainly the topics that you're you're using, the keywords that you're using, all of that stuff is important and all needs to be laid out within your strategy. So you know at the end of the day, you've got individual channel strategies. So here's our blog strategy, here's our PR strategy, here's our social strategy. And, you know, and there's certainly things across like holistic strategic things that you're trying to. Um, uh, to execute, um, uh, you know, across channels uh, from an integration standpoint, an in- integrated strategy, but you also might have very targeted strategies based on the uniqueness of some of these different channels. Does that all make sense? It certainly makes a lot of sense, but it also sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I've always said that content marketing is a team sport. Um, you know, you 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 do need. Um, a, a team of people. Um, and, you know, certainly if, if the volume of content isn't that large, you know, if you're a small business, um, you know, this doesn't have to be a, as daunting of a task, but it can be if you take on too much. Um, I think in the early days, uh, you know, even working um, in the, the agency world, working with smaller companies and trying to help them execute some of these things, we, we learned early that um, you don't want to bite off more than you can chew. Uh, you know, you want to figure out you know, first and foremost, what are the best channels, uh, the, you know, the top channels that would give us the best chance of reaching the largest number uh, of folks you know, that, that, that are, are key to our success? And, and let's maybe start small. And, and the, the, the issue we ran into is you know, the social was coming on big. This was back in the mid-2000s. Social was coming, was coming on big. We knew email marketing was still very, you know, it was very important. Uh, websites are getting huge. Uh, blogging was starting to really catch on with with things like WordPress and 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 we'd get small businesses uh, into this new content marketing program that had just all kinds of things in it and and all kinds of new channels to support and and certainly we would set them up with a really good plan and a good strategy but if the the sheer number of of people and, and number of hours that they could throw at this because most of the times you know they have day jobs. Uh, you know, it, it, it became something that just wasn't sustainable. So um, I think that was definitely a key learning. Either if you've got a smaller team or a smaller set of resources, uh, pick something that you know you can do well and sustain. Um, but then if you have a lot of resources, you've got a bigger team, uh, then you can certainly start to branch out and, and really start, you know, hit it hard with some of you know, these different channels. But whatever you decide to do, you really have to be consistent. Don't you agree? Oh, my gosh. Uh, consistency is, is so underrated. Um, you know, it, 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 you know I, uh, Joe Polizzi always said, I always love this analogy, you, know, you, you think of yourself as, as a traditional publisher, uh, a magazine publisher. And over the years, you have developed this magazine and you know, it, it lands on people's doorsteps every month on the same day. 
And uh, over time, if you build up that consistency, uh, you know, people love that. You know, they, they grow to love, whether it's your blog, whether it's your email newsletter, whatever it is, if you're doing it consistently and, and the content that, that you're, you're, you're providing is very valuable, uh, they grow to love that and they, they rely on that what, in whatever the frequency is. But, you know, if, if one month, uh, you know, someone opens up their front door and your magazine isn't sitting there, well, what the heck? You know, what's going on? And, and if, if, you know, and then they pick up the phone and they call the publisher, hey, where's my magazine? You know, if, you've, if you're doing it right, if you happen, God forbid, if you happen to miss, you know, a, a, one of those weekly newsletters or, or a weekly blog post that you've been consistent with and you've grown up that audience and you've built that trust um, and all of a sudden you miss a day uh, and you get phone calls, be like, what, what happened? then that's when you know you're doing it right. And most of the time people just they don't even get close to that because they maybe go strong for, you know, 3 months, 6 months, maybe even a year and then it, you know the, the ideas start running short and um you know and they don't have maybe the level of accountability that they needed. They don't necessarily have the the top-down mandates. They don't have maybe the data is not necessarily showing uh, you know, blockbuster, um, you know, engagement right out of the gate and, and they just start to stall. And, and that's when, that's the last thing you want to do. But how do you overcome that? Um, you know, I would say, uh, you know, the, the, well, there's, there's many aspects. I think, um, if you're an organization, I think, um, making sure that you understand, um, the, the notion that, that the, the, the programs that you start to implement, you know, using a an email newsletter as an example, if if you're doing it right, you should start seeing steady growth in your subscriber base, in your click through rates, and those types of things. And, and certainly, it's important to understand the metrics that are involved in each of these different channels, and and setting realistic, and this is key, setting realistic expectations for the growth of those things. And, and knowing that over time you're building trust, you're building an audience that, that is going to serve you in the long term. It's, it's not the audience that sees one ad that you put out in a magazine or a newspaper, and if you don't continue that ad, you know, th- the impressions are gone. Um, so you, you're continually building that audience over time. Uh, you know, uh, the, the, the blog scenario comes to mind. You know, if you start to think of your your content as an asset, um, and and you're continually creating assets that are going to pay dividends over time, and you everyone's on the same page in terms of the long tail effectiveness of this, and again, that's key. Then you're 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 going to start seeing those dividends come in over time uh, from from search results, you know, search traffic. Uh, a good example: we back in the day, we worked with a sock manufacturer. And, um, and we, we did a fun promotion, uh, on, uh, shark week, you know, um, uh, discovery channel, they do, they do their shark week, uh, once a year. And we did a fun video cause they had some shark socks and we just did a blog post, you know, fun video, um, it, you know, promoted their shark socks and, and we put it out one year for shark week. But, you know, that was about three to four years ago. And we've had conversations with this customer ongoing, and and he tells us a story that every year people come back to that Shark Week blog post for those shark socks, and their shark socks sell out every week, <laughs> uh, every Shark Week 
because of that blog post that we wrote like four years ago. Yeah, right. And so, and so you know, that's an example of, of the asset mentality. You create a piece once, and if it's a good, uh, you know, evergreen type of piece, then that could pay dividends year over year over year, uh, you know, in perpetuity. And, uh, you know, now compare that to a quarter page ad that you put in the newspaper and you spent, you know, a few thousand dollars on. And once it's done, it's gone. So, you know, there's definitely some education that has to happen internally to to start getting in this mindset, understanding the mentality of of content assets. And that's really at the core of content marketing. And I think it's very important to to get that point across uh, at all levels of the communications department, you know, under the organization. What are some of your other best tips around that implementation phase, you know, about being consistency is obviously one of them, but what are the other things that people need to do to ensure that they're going to implement their plans effectively? Um, you know, I, I think um, setting up some you know, regular editorial schedules, and that certainly gets into to my world today uh, you know, with DivHQ being an editorial calendar solution. You know, the, I think when you have a, a good understanding of the, the cadence that you need to maintain um, for, for the different channels. So, you know, you've got your email channel and, and how many emails are we going to send out either each week, each month, whatever that frequency is, uh, you know, how much blogging are we going to do each, each day, each week, each month? Um, how much social are we going to do and, and really set some, some good, uh, frequency standards and then make sure that we're planning properly to, to fill the kitty with enough ideas so that we never run out of good stuff to feed that frequency. Um, you know, you certainly hear uh, oftentimes with, you know, different content marketing experts out there, uh, you know, the notion of feeding the content beast. Well, certainly you don't want to create a beast that isn't sustainable, but, but you, but once you create it and you, 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 you set those that you set that cadence, you do want to maintain that consistency. So the, the key, the core tips are making sure you set up the ideation and planning processes within your organization, within your departments, um, so that you're you're consistently filling the you know, filling the kitty, filling the the parking lot <laughs> for you know, using uh, one of our actual tools, uh, filling the parking lot with good ideas that can then be planned. You know, you, you sit down with your editorial team on a frequent basis. You know, also making sure that you're consistent with your planning efforts. And you're taking those ideas, converting them into the actual stories, much like a uh, you know a, a newspaper would. You know, sitting down in their war room every day, figuring out what's going to go in the newspaper the next day. So much of, of of their success and their ability to get out good content in a newspaper every day is just their planning processes, and 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 knowing that there's different people that are uh, in charge of different areas, whether it's you know, on the, in a newspaper setting, or there's people that are in charge of the different areas of an organization, maybe, you know, in, in the government side, all the different programs and topic areas, departments, uh, who are going to be the main editors responsible for feeding, um, feeding new ideas into those, um, into those different channels uh, or, or sections of the newspaper and, and um, making sure we plan accordingly. Uh, we sit down on a regular basis to plan that, to feed the editorial can- calendar, make sure it's filled with good stuff, and we have our production processes in place to get it done by deadline. Do you do you sort of get the sense, though, sometimes for a lot of people, this is such a big and fundamental change um, in government communications that what you're suggesting is 
really every government agency, government department can become their own media company should they so choose. But, yep. the, but the distance from where they are today to, to this reality that you're describing is so large. How do we bridge the gap? How, how do we get that? How do we get from one to the other? Yeah, well, I think, you know, there's definitely small steps um, that, that you can start to do um, out of the gate, you know, um, small experiments, you know, with smaller teams uh, to, to start to paint the picture of, of what could be. Um, so, you know, you, you take a small program and, and you, you make sure that you start modeling the, the development of that program around the best practices of good content marketing. So, you know, you get uh, you know, good audience um, insights, good strategy around it, a good channel plan, and, and you go execute that on a small scale with a smaller team. And, and, and make sure you've got, um, you know, some good metrics and, and, you know, good evaluation components to the overall process so that, that you can, at the end of the day, um, you know, hoping that that program is very successful, you can take around and, and kind of turn that into a case study that then can be sold up uh, to the organization. See what we can do with a small team and, and this amount of resources. And, and we've, we've kind of tested out how the process works and, and kind of what the strategic model needs to look like. You know, we can take this and now start to scale it up to, to program B and program C and program D. And yes, we're going to need some more resources, but we can also pull people that are already within the organization uh, that, that might already be working in this area. But, you know, we're going to kind of retool them and, you know, and, and certainly understanding uh, that, that uh, people uh, might be at varying levels of ability to, um, to be able to be retooled. <laughs> but, you know, I, I would say for the most part, um, a lot of the people within these organizations are professionals. Um, that they're, they're definitely is, is, is development potential, you know, continually learning about the new processes, the new best practices that are out there. Most of the time, people will probably be open to, to learning new things, growing, uh, getting more mature and sophisticated on the, the new things that are coming out in this kind of fast evolving world. Um, you know, I, most of the time, you're probably not going to have too much trouble, uh, you know, getting some people involved once you have kind of a, a good experiment under your belt and you can start working that up the food chain. And the final, you have already alluded to it in um, a, a small way, but it's that measurement and evaluation and, and just how important that is. What, what are yep. your insights around measurement and evaluation? Yeah, I mean, I think it's key to understand, you know, even on the objective level, you know, at the, at the front end of the process, um, you know, what is this, what is this thing, what does this program look like if it's successful? You know, what does success look like for this particular program, and um, and then how do we work backwards from that success point? You know, what are the key performance indicators? And then you're kind of using a, a marketing, you know, term. What are those key performance indicators? That would um, that would show us if it's successful or not, and and so from from those key performance indicators, depending on how you're implementing this particular program, the channels you're using and, and whatnot, um, are there? Uh, can we build those key performance indicators into a set of metrics that we will evaluate on an ongoing basis? The metrics um, help us to determine. Uh, how we're doing on those key performance indicators, and then at the end of some time time period, you know, it's always good for for an objective to be smart. Uh, definitely marketing one hundred and one, um, you know, specific, measurable, 
um, attainable, uh, uh, realistic, and time-bound. So at the end of a certain time period, let's evaluate that program and see how we did. And, and if, you've, if you've thought about that in the upfront of the process and you've put all of the different um, tools in place to, to track those metrics, to, to keep tabs on the KPIs, uh, at the end of that time period, you actually should have some hard numbers, some hard data that will tell you how you did. If you if you wait until the end, uh, you know if you already if you go through and you start implementing something, and you're already a ways down the path before you realize, hey, we should be measuring this. Oftentimes, you're you're already too late. You haven't put the right tools and mechanisms in place to get the the metrics that you need. Um, you know, so so. Um, Understanding what those metrics are early on in the process are key. Making sure you have um, some smart folks that are that are keen on technology and, and data, uh, and understanding how to to put some of these different tools in place. You know, one of the exercises I remember we went through with, with your um, with, with the, this particular government client with you was the notion of key visitor tasks because we you know part of that project was a big website rebuild, and so. Um, we know that, okay, for target audience A, what is the key visitor tasks that they want to perform when they hit the website? And can we build paths within that website that have some sort of action that is scorable at the end of that path? And if we start scoring all of those and keeping track of that data, we can start to amass a set that is as, as actual actionable data. Uh, you know, it's actually going to tell us Okay, how did our content perform? Um, you know, did you know the the what was the percentage of people that started on this path? How many of them actually completed that path? Which gives us an idea of the content performance and uh, and how relevant that actual path was to begin with. So those types of mechanisms, I think, are huge. There's obviously all kinds of tools. You know, some of them which uh, Ian alluded to last time. Lots of, of analytics tools out there, and you definitely need to, to get some of those in place as you're getting going. And one of the great tools is uh, Divi and the editorial <laughs> planning. Um, yes. How, yes. How are things going at Divi, well, you know, one of the, the world's leading editorial um, calendaring tools? Yeah, so things are going really well. So, you know, um, back in, in um, mid-2014, May 2014, we, we did a complete rebuild on the application, or we, we basically launched our 2.0 version uh, and really, it was uh, out of the last several years of learnings. Uh, we launched the, the first version back in um, uh, 2011 at the first content marketing world, actually. And um, you know, it, that, that was definitely a, a kind of a prototype. And, uh, and using the prototype to really learn uh, how to make a, a content planning and workflow plat- platform as simple as we can get it. And, and intuitive, easy to use, but also very powerful to try to automate as much of the, of the content process as we can and, and really try to, um, to, to, to spark adoption across an organization so that everybody is working on one hub and you know they're planning on, on the hub, they're producing on the same hub, uh, they're storing ideas within the same hub, and and you know no matter whether you're a content producer or you're a higher level executive that just needs some visibility into what's going on across all of the different departments or content programs, content initiatives, they just want to have some visibility or some line of sight 
um, to be able to audit and inventory you know, some of the things that are going out across the organization. Those were some of the biggest pain points that, that our customers were really facing. And certainly uh, the, the new 2.0 platform was more focused on the enterprise side of things. So much larger companies that have very large teams that are you know, often decentralized, uh, very siloed, uh, and, and, and even across the world, you know, different teams spread out everywhere. Um, Red Bull is a great example. So, you know, Red Bull has 50 different content teams across their different ge- geographic markets. And so working with Red Bull corporate to develop a, a structure that would um, facilitate all of the content effort across all of the different Red Bull teams, but then working individually with those individual teams like um, in Red Bull Australia, their content team, and and helping them to not only facilitate their process to, to really get a handle and get organized organized around their content just to support the Australia area of the Red Bull site, but then also uh, being able to have some visibility into what some of the other teams, like the U.S. team or the Austria team, the U.K. team, what they're also working on and being able to share assets across those different groups. These are just things that, that were just so hard to do in large organizations. And so we've taken all of that feedback over the years and built a solution that really fits the bill. So a final question. You're sitting there, you're looking into the future. Um, This is radical discussion for a lot of people who are still (laughs) sort of well and truly back in the, you know, we're preparing media releases and talking points and, you know, we're doing advertising and, you know, we're posting our own content on our own channels but perhaps not distributing them through third-party channels at this stage. What do you see happening in the in the next few years as the sort of Internet of Things takes hold, um, the cost of broadband falls, the speed of broadband takes up? Where are the changes going to be? Oh, gosh. You know, uh, if only we had a crystal ball. Um, you know, that's, that's really tough. I mean, I think, you know, the whole Internet of Things um, world, uh, you know, I can't even fathom at this point um, all of the changes that, that are going to come. But, um, you know, I, I think of an example where, um, you know, my, my water filter goes out on my, my refrigerator and, and my phone buzzes uh, because my refrigerator is pinging me, you know, sending me a push notification. And, um, and I can push one button and easily uh, look while on my phone, uh, be reviewing my water filter options. Uh, whether it's through Amazon or you know someone uh, ha- you know has a good blog site reviewing all of the different uh, water filter options that I could buy you know, with a click of a button, you know I-, I can only think that content only gets more and more important. I do feel like you know there's there's been a lot of discussion over the last year about uh, the notion of, of content shock. I'm sure you've heard some of those yeah. discussions and the notion that there's just so much content out there. You know, there's just there's no way people are going to continue to consume as much content as they are. But I think as technology continues to to advance and change, I think we are going to continue to continue, or at least at the a similar level, if not more, be consuming even more content because the technologies are just going to continue to improve, and the speed of which we can consume things is going to continue to increase. So I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, content is is n- not going away. 
and you know certainly from from you know from my perspective it's only going to get more more challenging from a brand's perspective from from an organization's perspective to be uh, strategic and as relevant as we can be and build the right inputs and outputs so that our content is being fed at that moment of inspiration when I just got pinged on my phone and I need a new water filter and you know are you going to be the blog post that that helps me you know um, understand what my water filter options are you know if you've done things the right way you have the opportunity to be that but if you are sitting on the sidelines you know watching everybody else produce content or thinking that well gosh there's so much content out there there's no way I can break through all this noise well you're you're probably going to be behind the eight ball right out of the gate and you know that could be a challenging situation I would imagine so but I don't think the the strategic process of content marketing, even as it becomes, as as the world changes more and more, I think the strategic process and the outline, I think that the tools and the technologies will change, but that thinking and that commitment to the understanding of the audience, that doesn't change. And I think it gets narrower and narrower. I, I don't agree with content shock because I think there may be content shock at at um, broader macro levels, but I think yes. down in the niches, there's no, there's nothing like content shock. Yeah, and and I definitely content again, appreci- famine. In fact, yeah. <laughs> I definitely uh, you know appreciate what you're doing. You know, with with just this this niche podcast going after the government folks. You know, I think that's it's something that that you guys have have really keyed in on, and and I think um, you know the smart folks, uh, you know, the smart organizations are going to be building very specific content platforms, properties, you know, initiatives that are are going to continue to get more and more targeted because that's where they're going to find success. And um, and that's just not going to go away. And, you know, and at the end of the day, people are people. Uh, they, they have a need at, at the time. They, they have a very specific thing that they're looking for. And the more relevant you are to that specific need at that moment – um, you know, the better opportunity you, you have to, to engage with them. So, um, and then that's just, you know, that's just marketing 101 and that's never going away. Well, Brady Dolan, you've saved me once again. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Glad very, to do it. Thanks very much for joining us uh, in transition. It's, uh, it, it's a great project so far. We're getting lots of great feedback and I think people are, are starting to understand that this process, this strategic measurable, accountable business process. And that's what it is. It's nothing more than that. Get, you know, we've, we've got to try to get people to sort of get over the hang up of marketing and marketing is not the business of government when in actual fact it is. But it, it's a strategic, measurable, accountable business process that if you follow the steps that Brody's outlined today, you're really going to get some great success. You are going to get that understanding of the audience, you are going to become more relevant and you are going to measure and you're going to be able to measure the, the impact that you're making. And therefore, as we spend very valuable taxpayers' dollars, we can account because we have the accountability, we have the framework that comes as part of content marketing. So, Brody, thanks again, mate. Good luck with Divi HQ and I'm sure that uh, the, the Red Bull project sounds amazing and will be a great case study in, into the future and all the best. David, thank you so much. Uh, hope to see you at Content Marketing World this year. I will certainly be there. Thanks very much. Okay. okay. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content marketing in government. For more, visit us at intransitionpodcast.com.au.